I'm not sure how you stay seated during that. I'm over 65 years old, and I still, on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, still feel like I'm a kid. I've been on Christmas Eve services for over 40 years, and I love it. I love the lights. I love the music. I love the tradition. I've been doing this so long that I remember sitting around a record player. That's a large CD. (laughs) In my grandmother's room playing Firestone Records, singing these songs over and over and over again. There is something about Christmas Eve and the Christmas story and the Christmas message that is absolutely captivating. And no matter how many times you hear it, no matter how many times I've shared it, no matter how many services I've been or how many we do, I love celebrating this time of year. The thing that I love the most of all, of course, is the message. That the God of the universe would send his son into this world. I love my kids. I love my grandkids. I love you. I'm not sure if I'd sacrifice them for you. But the God of the universe loved us so much that he gave his son. I don't know where you've been in your travels or what you've seen around the world. God's creation is breathtaking. But there's nothing that will compare any of that to heaven. And yet Jesus left the splendor of glory to come and do what he did, which we celebrate tonight. The odds that God would have picked a young girl to be the mother of Jesus, not someone of prominence, but a young girl that hardly anyone knew. To have the greatest event in the history of the world to take place in a small little town called Bethlehem. I mean, if you had been God, Wouldn't you have done it on a grander scale than that? If you had been God announcing that he was coming into this world, that he was flesh, that he could let us know what he's like, wouldn't you have done it on a grander scale than that? The surprise of choosing shepherds, the very first ones to hear the message of Jesus. Shepherds of all people, with their background, with how far away they were from the existence of it all, shepherds of all people to have been chosen to be the very first ones to hear this incredible story. No matter how many times you've heard it, no matter how many times we've said it, it somehow never, ever loses its power and wonder. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census to be taken of the entire Roman world. It was the first census that took place while Gerenius was governor of Syria. So everyone went to his own town to register. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. When the angel left them and got into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. 
So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they saw him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all of these things they had seen and heard, which were just as it had been told. Two simple observations about this incredible story that I don't want you to miss about tonight. Number one is don't miss what's going on around you. In verse 8, in the same reason, the most important event in history taking place, and these shepherds are outside of Bethlehem. The action is in Bethlehem. Soldiers taking a census, people visiting relatives they haven't seen for years. Incredibly busy moment in the town of Bethlehem. And right in the middle of all that activity, the most incredible event humanity has ever known was taking place, and so few ever noticed. And if we're not careful, same thing can be said about some of us. Some of the greatest events in our lives can take place and we get so preoccupied with all the other things that we miss some of the most incredible moments that are right in front of us. We get so busy this particular week that we miss the wonder and beauty of it all. Charles Swindoll in his writing, Growing Strong in the Seasons of Life, writes this. Who could have cared about the birth of a baby while the world was watching Rome in all her splendor? Political intrigue and enormous military might occupied everyone's attention and conversation. All eyes were on Augustus Caesar, who demanded a census to be taken to determine how large his territory was. At that time, who was interested in a couple making an 80-mile trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem? Who could possibly care what was going on in other places when Caesar is making decisions in Rome? Who could have cared about a Jewish baby boy born in Bethlehem? God did. Without realizing it, mighty Augustus was only an errand boy to fulfill all the Old Testament property. While Rome was busy making history, God arrived, came in silence on straw in a stable under a star. The world didn't even notice. Reeling from the wake of Alexander the Great and Herod the Great, the world overlooked Mary's little lamb. And sadly enough, if we're not careful, it still could. In the same region were shepherds. Do not miss what goes on around you. Notice everything you can about tonight and tomorrow. Don't just see the trees and the gifts and all the things that still need done and all the meals you've got to prepare and all the people that are going to come and go. Enjoy the moment. Stop long enough to pause and reflect on this unbelievable gift that God has given to us and the amount of love that comes with that. Look at the wonder in a little boy's eyes and a little girl's eyes tonight and tomorrow morning and wonder, what's God going to do in their lives? What are they going to be like someday? What will they do? What will they become? Where will they go? What's God going to do for them next? You've heard me say it a number of times, but every time I do a wedding, there are two things that I love the most. One is that I get to see the bride before the groom. And the other is to watch that door open or wherever I'm at performing that service and watching that man's face light up when she comes down the aisle. I say to every family, don't just look back the aisle to see the bride. Everybody wants to see her, and you'll have all that time while she's coming down to see the bride. But I want you first to get that first glimpse of what it's, glimpse of what it's like for that groom to see that bride, knowing he's going to spend the rest of his life with the love of his life. And I've seen some of these guys light up like a Christmas tree. So many in Bethlehem are so busy 
They didn't notice what was going on, and if we're not careful, it can happen to some of us. We get so busy with all the things going on that we miss what God is doing. Don't always be looking somewhere else. Let God meet you where where you're at, and when he does, listen very carefully. God did not meet the shepherds where they were going, but where they were at, and many times, that's where he'll meet you as well. The other thing you notice about this story is how personal God made it for you, for you, for you, to you, to you, to you. To you, to me. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. A statement isn't just something that we read in Scripture. That statement stood the test of time. That statement stands the test of time. And that statement is just as true tonight as when it was written, as when it was said. To you and I, to you and I, all of us here in this sanctuary tonight, all of us who have been in sanctuaries down through the ages for the last 2,000 years, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. To us. God so loved us that he gave everything. He sent his one and only son, and while the shepherds heard it, they said, we've got to see this. We don't want anything to keep us back from what it is that we've been told. And so they did. Didn't worry about the sheep, their responsibility, even the fear of the unknown. They took advantage of the moment. And because they did, their lives were never the same again. If you've never responded to Christ, there are a lot of things that can hold you back from doing that. What will it mean? What changes do I need to make? What will others think? And my encouragement to you is, don't let any of that matter. Because I'm telling you, exactly like the shepherds, when you find Jesus... You will never, ever be the same again. He will change your life. I guarantee you, if you commit yourself to finding him, you will find him. And when you do, you really will never, ever be the same again. He will change your life inside, outside, and change everything about you. And make you all that you want to be because you have committed your life to him. I guarantee you, he will walk with you through every single circumstances of life. He promised that he would never leave us, never forsake us. Even through the valley of the shadow of death, I will always be with you no matter what. Somewhere in the mid-90s, a number of Americans were invited to Russia. The Iron Curtain had come down for a small period of time, and many were there, and many were invited there to be able to share, of all things, ethics to those who had never heard it before. A number took advantage of the opportunity. They went to businesses, They went to schools. Some of them went to orphanages. And they shared the message of love and grace. In one particular orphanage, about 100 students gathered together, many of them who had been abandoned and left in that particular context, most of them, for the rest of their lives. Two American ladies shared the story of Christmas, told everything they possibly could in that moment, knowing that Maybe this was a short window of time to share the greatest story ever told, and so they did. And these little guys and these girls just sat on the edge of their seat trying to process everything they'd heard. Most of them, probably all of them, for the first time in their lives, are hearing the story. They didn't move. They didn't budge. They took it all in. These ladies told them about Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and no room in the inn and how the baby was lying in a manger. When they were done with the story, they said to the kids, why don't you build your own manger scene? And so they did. Took remnants of cardboard and a number of other things and began to construct their own manger. And 
One lady in particular watched one little six or seven-year-old boy named Misha. She said, when it was all said and done, I went over to look at his manger, and I realized there was not one baby in the manger. There were two. Invited a translator over, she said, and asked him, what's the story behind the two babies in the manger? And so he began to tell the story. For a six-year-old boy who had probably heard it for the first time in his life, she said he was incredibly accurate. Begin to talk about every aspect of it, and then at one point you could sense he was ad-libbing about what he had seen in the story. It goes something like this. When Maria took the baby and laid him in the manger, I realized that he was there alone. I, I looked at him, and I realized he had no place to stay, and I looked at my own life and realized I had no place to stay. And then he really began to ad-lib, and he said, the baby began to talk to me and said, do you have some place to stay? He said, no, I have no mom, I have no papa. And Jesus told me I could stay with him. I told him I couldn't because I didn't have a gift. And then I thought, maybe I could keep him warm. Maybe that would be a good gift. So I asked Jesus, if I keep you warm, will that be a good enough gift? And he said, if you keep me warm, that would be the best gift you could have given me. So I got in the manger. And Jesus looked at me, and he said he would always be with me. I'd never heard that before. As he began to finish the story, his eyes obviously were filled with tears. And the first time I read it, and the 50th time I read it, I found myself in a similar position. For the first time in his life, he found somebody who wouldn't abandon him. Somebody would be with him forever. And the lady that shared the story said, I learned an incredible lesson that night. It's really not what you have or what you get, but it's who you have. It's not what you have, but who you have. And even more important, it's who has you. If you have Jesus in your life, you have everything. You have everything. That's why David could say, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't need anything else if I have him. If you know Christ is your Savior, you ought to sing tonight with so much enthusiasm and excitement that the walls couldn't contain the amount of celebration that we would share. If you don't know Jesus, tonight would be the greatest night in your life to be able to embrace Him, to recognize and acknowledge your sin and know without Him you'll never get through this life, but with Him you can face anything and any challenge. Even while we sing tonight in a couple of moments, a couple of songs and then silent night in the moments of that stillness and quietness when you watch the lights go out all over this auditorium and then the candles begin to light up you realize that that could be the moment in your life when everything really could change and you could open up your life to Christ, invite him in he will never leave you he'll never forsake you he will always, always be with you Father the message never gets old never loses its wonder, it never loses its power no matter how many times I read it, no matter how many times I hear it, I'm still overwhelmed that you love us that much that you gave your life so that we could have life forever. And so tonight we join with thousands around the ages and down through the ages and around the globe who are giving you praise for that little baby born in that manger, grew to be a man who died on the cross, rose from the dead and offers us life so tonight we just can't separate one story from the other but we realize the magnitude of 
what you give us and what you offer us. So tonight we join with the angels, everyone down through the ages, who have given you praise for what you have given and what you offer. In your name we pray.